You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speaker. Just say play ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Shell Penzo Performance Line. As you just heard coming up, the college football rankings will be out. We will get you some reaction to them as we get that information in just a few minutes. But, Sarah, as we start the show tonight, all eyes are on Tampa Bay as the Buccaneers try and figure out what's going on down there. Like, I have a, I have two different sides to this entire Tom Brady conversation. We'll get to the what happens after the clock is zero in a second. But as for the game itself, I feel like, we just have to forget that he's Tom Brady. If you're going to hold him to this standard of Tom Brady from the last 10, 15 years, that's never going to work. You just got to look and ask who Tom Brady is now. And who Tom Brady is now is what most of us have dealt with as a fan, like a pretty good quarterback that when he plays well, wins you games. And when he doesn't, he loses you games. Like, welcome to the world of most pretty good quarterbacks, which is all the Brady. Like, he doesn't have to be terrible or great. He's just pretty good. I thought you were saying he's like like most fans, like we keep getting older, but we're not really acknowledging it. So uh, we still think also we got fair. it. Also um, fair. What was crazy was, you know, you had one of those situations that every other year, the world's biggest bar, Twitter, would have said, oh, you left Brady too much time, right? Every other year, we would have looked at that game and said, oh, here we go. Here come the heroics. And I didn't really see much of that outside of Jordan Cornette, who we'll have on later and mock mercilessly, um, because most people don't really know if he could be that guy in that situation anymore. And this Bucks team, for as great as they are, and I've heard people say they've been overrated all year. I don't think that's the case. I think they can be great. And their DVOA is off the charts, uh, at least it was as of a couple of weeks ago, compared to historically great teams. But they they are a team that you know how to beat. And that is if you can get pressure on the quarterback. And especially if you can press with four, you don't have to blitz, you don't have to sell out the secondary for it. Then Tom Brady cannot do the things that he wants to do. And boy, did last night uh, show that off. A primetime game, they have only been able to beat the Giants in primetime this year, and they barely squeaked past them. He has been bad in primetime, and he played poorly last night against a good Rams defense. Two picks. He only got 216 yards on 48 passes. That's under five yards per attempt. Those deep balls just did not look good. And in the end, you know, it was it was a, a, a went out with a fart, right? <laughs> Where you're watching and you're like, oh, ooh, oh. Is this what the future looks like for Tom Brady? Well, and I think the problem with the interceptions is that they were both just bad. I mean, yeah. one was a bad throw. One was just, it's like he didn't see uh, the safety in the middle of the field. Just uncharacteristic mistakes for Tom Brady. And, you know, to that end, it raises a lot of questions. Part of the reason I was giving some benefit of the doubt coming into this Bucks offense was because I presumed that Bruce Arians would be able to sort of take whatever he gets and make it great uh, from Brady. Now, that being said, Bruce Arians at this press conference talked about the play calling and whether or not he should take over that duty. Oh no, I thought I thought he called a good ball game. We just got to we got to execute better. When guys are open, we got to hit them and uh, we can't miss read coverage. We got to protect a little bit better when we do have guys deep and uh, and let him let him hit that guy uh, instead of have that that pressure that that costs us an interception. As a collective, everybody's got to play better. So at the end there it's about the coverage and the protection and at the beginning there it's about Brady. Got to hit the open guys, and that is a refrain we've heard over the course of this season that we are less and less shocked by because we're used to it now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that relationship is served by it or that Tom Brady likes to hear that he's the problem um, week after week. Uh, it is a problem, and it is something that the Bucks are going to have to figure out if they're going to continue to be a team that we think is among the top tier at Spain and Fitz. We saw a couple weeks ago 
Uh, they absolutely got demolished by the Saints. And before that, we saw my Chicago Bears, a team that has sunk deeper and deeper into mediocrity of late, uh, hand them a loss as well. We saw Brady not know what down it was. We saw the pressure get to him. And it's at the point now where the two are being compared. Fitz, Greg McElroy, ESPN football analyst, was on Get Up, and this is how down he is on the Bucks offense. First 20 plays of the game, really nice. The third quarter, y'all, I thought I was watching the Chicago Bears. Ooh. It was absolutely <laughs> atrocious <laughs> offensively. The plan was bad. They weren't <sighs> smart with protections. Brady had no opportunities. And as soon as they took Jalen Ramsey and put him on Mike Evans, they ramped up the physicality that you saw from the, from the Rams secondary, and they had absolutely no answer. I just really really hated their second half plan and their inability to make adjustments. Brady was off the mark. Bruce Arians was off the mark. The receivers couldn't separate and the offensive line couldn't protect. But other than that, you know, it was a pretty solid night. No, oh, that's... Are you ready to go that far? Are you ready <laughs> to say they look like the Bears? It seems like that's a little... I mean, <laughs> one step at a time. By the way, be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season's heating up. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town. Fansville, held, head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Now, uh, at the end of the game, I, I realize handshakes don't matter to a lot of people, but for the second time this year, mm. we're talking about it because Brady walks off without even acknowledging Jared Goff. And look, I, for anybody that wants to defend Brady here is going to say, why do we care? It's not a big deal. Get over it. Or they're going to say it's COVID-related, ignoring the fact that he picks and chooses who might be infected. Like, that's the that's the biggest part of it. Like, Sarah, <laughs> when you think about like at the end of the game, go acknowledge the person that you played against because that's what you've done every other time mm. for every other year. And now suddenly, in a a couple of games where you haven't particularly played well, you played well, you just walk off. Like, I have a real problem with that from somebody that's expected to be a leader. Like, that just doesn't, it doesn't mesh with what I perceive. Like, why is he so worked up about that? Yeah. We knew that Nick Foles was a guy that he didn't particularly like because of the Eagles uh, beating them in, in the Super Bowl. Hadn't shook, shaken his hand then. Didn't shake it again this year when Nick Foles was now at the Bears and the Bears beat the Bucks. And then he didn't shake Jared Goff's hand. But he was fine going over and consoling Aaron Rodgers after the Bucks beat the Packers. He was fine shaking the hand of your guy, Derek Carr. So to me... Any argument that he's being safe about COVID goes out the window. This is entirely about Brady being a sore loser. And you are the greatest, probably, uh, arguably, many would say, of all time. And you're going to get fired up about golf and fools? I mean, I guess I, I make excuses for Michael Jordan being a red you-know-what all the time. But the game is over, and Jordan would always shake hands, whether or not he won or lost. And it just lowers him, in my opinion. It makes him look silly to say, I lost the game, so I'm not going to shake your hand. Well, and I just want consistency on it. If Cam Newton did it, everybody would blow up about it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to protect Tom Brady just because he's Tom Brady. And, he's and it's worse for way. Tom Brady to do it because he is so good. Like, that's, that's you know what I mean? Like, you've got all the rings, dude. Yeah. Like, we're not going to judge you based on one loss to Nick Foles. So you're bringing more attention to the fact that you lost by throwing a fit afterwards. Well, and, and at this point, obviously the Buccaneers are still in a good spot where they can make the playoffs. I don't think anybody's looking at it and saying that things have gotten off the rails to that to, to that extreme for them. They're still 7-4, and four, so I, I realize there's still a lot of good, in theory, ahead of the Bucs, but uh, it didn't get any easier with this loss for them, and mm -hmm. I think it's not just about the loss. It's also about the fact that, frankly, they just didn't look great. They didn't even well, look good. And it's about the fact that you've got a Saints team that we were – 
arguing all preseason who's going to be the top dog in this division. And without Drew Brees, with Taysom Hill, and another quarterback sitting by that they could go to if they wanted to, uh, the, the Saints have three more quarterbacks than the Bears do, apparently. Um, they're looking great at 8-2 and two, and certainly like the best, the cream of the crop here. And 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 after the beatdown they handed the Bucks, that, that felt a lot more secure. So it's not just the playoffs, but, um, you know, in their own division, they're now very much overshadowed. Well, uh, we will continue to break down all of that. Uh, plus, the college football playoff rankings are out right now. We've gotten uh, we've gotten a bunch of a couple Maybe of little my surprises. Team, Michigan, what? I bet they're <laughs> up there. <laughs> I don't think the rankings go f- that far down, but oh, no. we do have some answers to some important questions. We'll get you updated next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. The College Football Playoff Committee for the first time this year has spoken. We have rankings. And if you live in Ohio, we're going to have reactions. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel. Lady Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. This is hot off the presses. We now know who the top 10 are. We know the top 25, but I'll give you the top 10. Number 10 is Miami. Number 9, Georgia, even with two losses. Number 8, an undefeated, surprising Northwestern team. At number seven, Cincinnati. We'll get to why that's significant in a second. Texas A&M with one loss sits at six. Uh, I think we have that reversed. Florida sits at number six. F- at number five is Texas A&M. Number four, Ohio State. Undefeated Ohio State at number four. Clemson sitting with one loss at three. Notre Dame at two. Alabama at one. And Sarah, mm. the committee just told you that losses don't matter. I mean, Clemson lost to Notre Dame in a close game, and they're still putting them ahead of Ohio State, who hasn't really played that many teams. I hate to bring up his name because his head will get even bigger, but there was a poll last night on the worst fan base in sports, and our buddy Mike A. just put at Travis Rockhold <laughs> on his own. And oh, I, God. I'm, I'm very worried about what's going to come out of that general area of our company and then the country because that is not a fan base that you want to mess with. I mean, and it is funny because, like, I'd say the same thing about our buddy Bobby Carpenter. Like, his head right now, I Bobby's <laughs> got to be in the gym right now just working out the the sort of pain and angst that he's going through. Ohio State, remember, has played only four games, which is maybe part of We don't know yet, but that may yeah. be part of the conversation. They beat a terrible Nebraska team. They beat a terrible Penn State team. Then they beat a Rutgers team that is very bad. And then they have one good win where they didn't look as good as some thought they should, but they beat Indiana. So, Which, by the way, wild 2020, when the win that we're basing Ohio State's greatness on, the only one they've got is against Indiana, who, shout out to Indiana, top 15. No, yeah, I mean, that, that, that just feels weird. Speaking of uh, top 15, for everybody that's also been paying attention to uh, to BYU. BYU came in, I think we said at 14. I'll double check that. Yeah, BYU at 14. So uh, that didn't help them. But when you talk about who who's played anybody, I mean, Clemson beat Wake Forest, Citadel, Virginia. But they mm. did beat Miami that is still number 10. And then uh, and they kept it close to Notre Dame. And a lot of people said, hey, listen, you're, you're going to have a committee the point of a committee instead of a computer is to be able to use their eyeballs and, and to use their brains and say, without Trevor Lawrence, that's not that team. Uh, but yeah, this, this, I, we've talked about this fits all, all year long this year. You either have the worst job ever as a committee member, because 
you just don't have the metrics and the teams aren't all playing the same number of games and with the same health and everything else. But it's also the easiest because you don't really have to defend yourself against meaningful criticism. So much of it is going to be my subjective view is different than your subjective view. Which is why this is the annual hill I die on. I, I believe genuinely. <laughs> Just the one? Yeah, well, you yes, have a lot of hills, That's bro. true. This is this is one of my many, like, I, if, I, if I were climbing up a very small, very small hill because anything bigger than, like, a tiny incline and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm winded and Tough done, yeah. these tiny, tight hamstrings can't handle that. So Little legs. I, I take my tiny flag and I plant one that says, I just wish right now as we get the rankings that the entire committee was sitting in a room with each with a microphone having to answer questions for why mm. they've decided what they've yeah. decided. And yeah, I you, wish their vote was put up transparency. Because I know that you do shows and one of them's coming up tonight where you and Junior do your college football rankings reaction show. Part of what they do with announcing these every week is allow you to speculate, create content, get angry, throw stuff, be frustrated, defend things. If they were to come out and give you the reasons, not only would that take away some of the, those those speculations, but also would they then have to hold fast to those same things the next week? And is that the best way to do it? Is it I'm going to stick by this reasoning the whole time or is it? In this case, my gut or my eyes or whatever is telling me a different team with a different reasoning to get them there. Now that I think about content creation, I hope that the committee never speaks again. <laughs> I, I mean, But fairness-wise, you might be right. They have to put out publicly what metric they use because then if they go away from that metric the next time to make a different selection, you can hold them it to them and say, well, which one is what you prioritize? Well, and, and I think what, what's so difficult is when I went through the mock committee process, you know, you vote in groups of three, so one through three, four to six, so on and so forth. And then you have your own internal debate within those three teams, and then you vote. So when you think about that process, that means that the committee decided through their multiple votes that there wasn't even really a debate because you don't, three and four aren't the big debate. One, two, three is going to be fairly set. So that means Ohio State was on the outside looking in of all three of those teams. And that's just surprising. Now, Cincinnati came in at number seven, and I don't want to downplay that because uh, when you look at the rest of the schedule moving forward, forward, I've continually said Florida is likely to win the East, and that means, sir, they take on Alabama, we would think, in the SEC championship game. If they lose that game, Florida would have two losses. I think Cincinnati could get up there. So then it's a question of can they jump over Texas A&M, who has a blowout loss? That's why I think the committee won't put them in. So now, all of a sudden, all eyes go to Clemson-Notre Dame. Like, if those two teams play again in the ACC championship, that outcome is going to matter a lot. I still think there's a very real path to get Cincinnati to the college football playoff, which is very 2020. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of 2020-ing, but remember that there are so few games and so few opportunities that these things, it can be a snap and you're out, then that's it, right? And we already saw today, for instance, not that we thought Wisconsin uh, was going to do much, but Wisconsin has no chance of winning now because their game just got canceled against Minnesota. And so they get a no contents contest. It's their third game canceled this season. That's it, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, so they're they're out of the conversation entirely. But how 2020 is it that Northwestern is still like, I, I don't even know what to right, do with that. Right, like right. Northwestern has a very real like nor- if you're a Northwestern fan today, you're like, hey, all we got to do is win and we're in. And like right. not every school can say Davis is feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that came back to haunt. I mean, that came back to haunt uh, multiple times. Away, yeah. uh, also of note on this uh, on, on this ranking is that Oregon comes in at number 15. They are the top-ranked Pac-12 team. 
I, this is a moment that kind of breaks my heart because not not that the world's fair, Sarah, but understanding what they went through to try and bring back Pac-12 football. They brought it back because they really wanted to shop for their best teams to have the opportunity to play in the playoffs. So through not only COVID, but also for much of that conference, things like wildfires that sort of uh, dominated the conversation, rightly so, through much of the summer and early fall, they've gone through a lot to get back on the field. And at least from this initial ranking, it tells you that the playoff committee doesn't really give a damn. And Mm -hmm. there isn't a very easy path for any of those teams to be represented in the college football playoff. Well, it's really difficult because again, what the tiny sample size you have, the late start, the weirdness of the season to compare that to others. And, if you have teams that are 11 and 0 or whatever and then they're looking at another team that's 4 and 0 without good competition how do you really balance those two you can't we always say this in a regular year you can't fault a team they're going to play the teams on their schedule right but it's even more so this year you, you can play the number of games that you're allowed you can play the number of games that everyone's healthy for you can play the teams that are that are in your conference that are that you're playing against whether those are good or bad and I mean, I, you could argue the same thing at BYU at 14. Do you feel good about that? I mean, right now, um, I think I was reading about that um, resume SP plus that they use, right? And BYU is second in that to Alabama. Which right? is, yeah, I mean. They have a pl- plus 1.6. Um, Alabama's running away from everybody at a plus 0.86, but. Um, for BYU to be 14th, that that seems like a rough go of things, too. Yeah, and for BYU to be 14th, now I think what the one conversation change we're going to see, and it's going to come quickly, is the Pac-12 now is going to realize that they need BYU in Cincinnati. And that's I don't know before tonight if we really knew the answer to that. So if you're Oregon or you're USC, and the way they opened it up last week is – you know, that you can add a non-conference opponent as long as there isn't a conference opponent available, as long as they play in, in the Pac-12 stadium, and as long as they meet the testing protocol. So right now, if I'm Oregon, if I'm, you know, USC, and I'm looking at trying to make some sort of run up the rankings, I'm calling BYU and Cincinnati, and both of those schools could use that big win too, Sarah. So I think that's one of the interesting things to look for coming up. Well, it certainly is going to provide that content that we're always looking for. There's definitely going to be any number of arguments that you can use as to why they got it right, as to why they got it wrong, as to who got boned in the whole process. And then we're going to do it again next week. And with all the COVID positives, man, it's going to get even tougher. Yeah, absolutely. We'll keep breaking it down, obviously. We'll get a guest on to get their thoughts. That's coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. And on your smart speaker, just say play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can get the pre-party, the after-party that we do sometimes. Never miss a show. Uh, Fitz misses a show a lot, and he's going to be in and out of tonight's show. So he he's out right now, but I'm bringing in a ringer to talk to me about the latest in the the first in the college football playoff rankings from collegefootballnews.com, Pete Futak. Pete, thanks for the time. What's going on? If only there was something college football related, we could talk about. I know. Nothing to talk about. How's your Thanksgiving prep? Just kidding. Ohio State. Does it it happen? There is no such thing in my world. No, you don't have a life. You've got to focus on this. Uh, I do not. Near the top, Ohio State, fourth behind one loss, Clemson. Do they have a beef here? Eh, okay, sure. 
I, it, it, here's what Coming this in real sort of fiery. Thing. I'm so glad we brought you Exactly. <laughs> hot, hot take. Yes. Uh, look, here's what stinks about my stupid sport. It comes down to a panel of judges. And it like you can't play your way in. And as I've told you guys before for the last few years, it's okay. Win your Power 5 conference. You know, do it undefeated, and you will get into the college football playoff no matter what. Remember, in the first-ever college football playoff rankings, Ohio State started out 16th and ended up winning the national championship. So, like, these rankings, they, it's not like the AP and the coaches poll. They, they, remember, they throw them out, start all over again next week, and then they just wait and they just keep doing this exercise until the very end. Then they see who won their conference champions championships, and then they put those four teams in. So Ohio State, all right, they kind of have a beef, but they haven't actually been playing all that well so far. And their one good win is over Indiana, which, okay, right. fine, Indiana's pretty good, but that's it. But still wild, yeah. And, and you know, they're 91st in passing success rate allowed. They are uh, clearly struggling in pass defense, and that could be something that, you know, if they're using the eye test beyond just your schedule and who you've played is, is a problem for them. Yeah, and the eye test is the fatal flaw. And it was all, it's, you know, complain all you want about the old BCS system, but that sort of took a lot of the eye test out of it. And that was sort of the point is that, okay, we can all think somebody looks good, but it doesn't matter unless you beat them. And then the problem with this top 25, where they got the Texas A&M over Florida thing, right? So at least they're, when they're going through each of these part of these rankings, they're arguing spot by spot by spot. You want to know that they're at least seeing what actually happened. If you're the Sun Belt, you're breaking something tasteful because Louisiana <laughs> trucked Iowa State in Ames. The Sun Belt went three and zero against the the Big Twelve all on the road. Louisiana's only losses to Coastal Carolina, and yet you have Oklahoma, you have Iowa State, you have Texas all over your Coastal Carolina shot declares mm-hmm. and. It's like okay, non-conference schedule should have consequences, and apparently it doesn't. So they completely flunked the Iowa State over Louisiana test. But other than that, it's, the rest of the top twenty-five is pretty high. Pete Futak with me here on Spain and Fitz of CollegeFootballNews.com. Cincinnati number seven, highest ranking for a Group of Five team ever. Is this the first time we have a clear path for a G five team? No, and it's mean <laughs> because they, they're, they're doing is they're saying, look, we could, you know, you might get a bike for Christmas. Yeah, it's possible. Look, it's, see, there it is in the store. It's right there. You're, you're this close to it. But nah, there, there's, they're not going to put them in. Their schedule's just too bad. So the problem with it is how it all is going to break out is at the end of the day, again, you got to win your Power Five championships. And Cincinnati, if, you know, if BYU is getting uh, dogged in this for its schedule, then what's Cincinnati? Cincinnati has mm-hmm. zero games against any Power 5 programs. And it's gonna have, it's, there's going to be a hard ceiling uh, on how high can it, it can go because at the end of the day, they're going to take a one-loss uh, Power 5 team over uh, an undefeated Cincinnati just because, you know, where's the argument is that, you know, how do you, how do you let Cincinnati in when you don't play anybody? Let's talk about BYU, number 14, 9-0. Should they feel slighted? Yeah, but totally not its fault because the program doesn't 
duck anybody. And they had a really, really good uh, schedule before all the, the COVID issues. I mean, they had a bunch of uh, strong games over uh, na- brand name Power 5 programs. And that just went all away. So they had to do whatever they had to to get that schedule together. But, look, you know, it's, it's just part of the deal. You, the whole job of the committee is supposed to be to uh, go based on what happened. Not, again, not BYU's fault. They've looked great. But their one good, really good win is over a Boise State team that didn't have its starting quarterback, starting running back, and whose second-string quarterback knocked out right away. So uh, there's just nothing there. So what this says is at the end of the day for both – Boise, I'm sorry, both BYU and Cincinnati, they'll both probably get into the uh, the group of five. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, New Year's Six uh, bowl games, but they're again a hard ceiling on how high yeah. either one of them can get before getting into that top four. They're going to just have one of those programs where you look at the stats after and say they really got boned by 2020. They've outscored their opponents 428 to 125. And you, you like yeah, you said, they again, had some really good opponents set up to play. And they couldn't, yeah, right? They had six Power 5 opponents in the original schedule. And uh, unfortunately, uh, 2020 happened. It's Spain and Fitz talking to collegefootballnews.com's Pete Futak. What do you make of the highest-ranked Pac-12 team being Oregon sitting at 15? Yeah, that was t- there's there's no way to do this right, and that is, is the Pac-12 and even the Big Ten, they just didn't play enough games. So the whole argument of okay, how can Clemson be seven and one? They have a loss ahead of Ohio State. Well, they've also played more games, and you know Twice even if you're playing many, teams, fact, just are, look at that math I just did yeah. right in my head. Well done. Uh, <laughs> well, the difference being though is that if you're playing a Power Five schedule, look, the, the biggest example is, for example, North Carolina losing to Florida State. Is that if you're playing a, a schedule of all Power Five programs, and you're playing and another team's playing a schedule full of no Power Five programs, you kind of have it's it's the it's the grind, it's the body punch, it's the the week after week against programs that have the same level of uh, resources and recruits and all that. It's not fair. It's not necessarily right, uh, but that's just kind of how it is. And again, it's mean. They're just going to kind of say, "Hey, look, you know, you guys are going to get close here, but uh, you, you, they're not in." So there should be a way to do this. It should be easier than this. And I know that this is the most boring way to go with go <laughs> this direction is that say that they should really just have look. All five Power Five champs are in. You know, at least one, the top ranked group of five program in, and then two wild cards, and let's go. Pete Futak, collegefootballnews.com. This is your account. My opinion on it is that this year there's a little bit uh, of room to weasel out of whatever your opinion is and and not have to defend it as strongly because there's completely different schedules, completely different number of games being played, COVID-affecting things. What do you make of the job of the committee this year compared to other years? It's all right. You know, again, I, I they, they whiffed on the Louisiana-Iowa State thing, but, you know, it's hard because – I don't How mean do specifically compare, the like decisions said. they made. I mean the job. Like, yeah. is it is it easier this year to to get you know to to make excuses for how you how you made your decisions? Is it tougher because you're not using those metrics across the board? At the end of the day, in this crazy, wacky, unpredictably unbelievable year, what are we going to get? The Big Ten champions going to be Ohio State. The Big 12 champion is going to be Oklahoma. The SEC champion is going to be Alabama. And the ACC champion is going to be either Clemson, probably, or Notre Dame. The madness. You know, it's not that mm. hard. So basically, all well, the Fighting Reese Davises are, are going to be up in your menchies. 
Exactly. So all the big teams are kind of going to be there. It's going to work out. So, so essentially at the end of all of this, after we go through this exercise each and every week, the Big 12 is out. The Big 12 will not get a team into the college football playoff. Uh, their best team is going to have two losses at the very least. The ACC uh, champion between Notre Dame and Clemson is going to be in. Uh, the SEC champion is going to be in. The Big, Te- big Ten champion, uh, now that Northwestern is a mortal lock to get in and probably undefeated, uh, is you know, the Big Ten champs going to get in? So there's going to be one spot available, which means if if Notre Dame just at least keeps it close to Clemson, as long as they don't biff it this weekend against North Carolina, uh, it'd probably be Notre Dame. Uh, Texas A&M has a shot if it wins out, and Florida is in if it can run the table and beat Alabama in the SEC championship. And if Alabama gets in there undefeated, then Alabama's in. So the fight, to answer your question in a convoluted way, the Final Four is going to be kind of easy to figure out. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, before I let you go, quickly, uh, uh, you think that the COVID tests and the potential for more cancellations could throw a wrench into any of those things you just said? Big time. And that's the, that's the one part about this that we that the, the big X factor here is it could ruin any of these teams at any time. And just look at what happened today. Now that Minnesota can't play this weekend right. and they had to cancel the game against Wisconsin – the Badgers now are ineligible for the Big Ten championship because they've missed three games. Yeah. That means if Northwestern beats Michigan State, it's automatically in the Big Ten championship no matter what Wisconsin does the rest of the, the way. And, and, and look, journalism Tulsa- majors everywhere are cheering, Pete. Uh, we know how everybody feels about that Northwestern squad. Hey, thanks for the time. We're the out of time, uh, but really appreciate your insight. That's right. Thank you, Pete. Pete Futak with me here on Spain and Fitz coming up uh, Christmas or Thanksgiving. Which is it right now? We'll tell you. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. I think I already know Fitz's answer to this because Mm -hmm. you're a lunatic. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to have mannequins in your closet year round, you're probably going to want to bust them out straight from their Halloween spots in the horror flick on the lawn right into the Christmas movies they're inhabiting on your lawn. Um, but but let's let's play this out a little bit more. Are you already in full Christmas? Like, is your house uh, uh, basically a Christmas door at this point already? So a couple of things here. Number one, I'm used to strange looks at the holidays. And because I'm value-oriented, <laughs> I, I know well, that's a fair point. <laughs> the day after Halloween, I uh, pulled up to Spirit Halloween where I had bought, they had like a, a clown that was like this massive display clown that's like 14 feet tall or something. Nice. And I, I bought it, uh, of course, because after Halloween, it was super cheap, right? So I buy it and I go back and i gotta go pick it up so they call you and tell you hey we've disassembled <laughs> it and it's ready for you so i pull up to the front of spirit halloween and i open up the car and i have all these animatronics i bought from the other locations that day and i'm shoving the dead clown into the back of the car and while i'm doing it people are staring at me and i'm like why and then i realized that i've got that mariah carey album just blasting in the car so while i'm putting dead clowns in like november 1st dead clowns and mariah carey like i go yeah. straight into that mode so you know i had a feeling it, well yeah i mean i'm nothing if not consistent right but <laughs> in fairness sarah you know obviously sunny does the big display down in nashville and i'm not because of covid we're being super responsible and we're just accepting that this is uh, a year where we won't get a lot of time together so as a result i'm not uh, i'm not in nashville to partake in it she's already put up like the massive i think she's got 20 something movies represented 
represented already and like all these oh, okay. different I scenes need built. To find, are the pictures up anywhere yet? Uh, they'll be up in the next few Maybe days. You guys have yeah. like four different Insta yeah, yeah. accounts. Her, so. her, the, the movies on Morris Insta account is about to be all Christmas. So like she just finished okay. building like the Christmas vacation scenes and all that. I, though, I'm not putting anything outside in Connecticut because we just bought the house last year. This is really my first Christmas in it. I didn't have any decor for inside. So I've spent the year getting ready for inside Christmas. So inside is barfed Christmas all over my house, but outside has been <laughs> saved. I didn't even know about movies on Morris. Now I'm following you guys in five different places on Instagram. <laughs> no, you're you guys, following her. You, in you five, need to like, get over yourself. I am I'm the worst. I'm following your dogs. I'm following the two of you together. I'm following you alone. I'm following her store. I got to get a hold of my I, look, life. Look, I don't even, I don't even use Instagram. And then she's mad. she'll be mad and she's like, you haven't liked the picture out there. And I'm like, I, I, I don't even know what you There's got like going five on. five accounts. It's too um, much. All right, so I'm torn, and, and I'm especially torn this year because I am obsessed with Christmas. It's my favorite holiday. I love decorating. Um, I don't usually do a big outside display because we've had the house that we're in. Uh, we bought it a couple years ago, and we put lights out, but never in my life, whether it was when I lived in L.A. or my years in, in Chicago when I had an apartment, was I able to do a big outdoor display. Like when I was growing up with my family, it was usually my parents who went out and did it. So I, I, it's weird how there's like something in your life. It's kind of like when you realize that you can spend money to just travel, that you're like, oh, I'm an adult now. Right? So <laughs> right. I feel that way about Christmas lights. I'm like, oh, I, I own a house. Like I'm the people in the neighborhood that's supposed to be doing the cool thing to walk by. I'm not the one who just walks by and, and likes other people's. So this year I feel a, a responsibility because we can't do anything. The best thing to keep your day bright is to go for like a walk with the dogs and see your neighbor's Halloween decorations or their flowers in the summer. And so everyone's Halloween made me so happy that I decided it's up to me to make sure that our house is a bright spot of joy when people pass it. So I I just bought a ton of stuff online last night that should be coming soon. I did just purchase a doormat that says there's some hose in this house. I don't care if it's only going to be good and relevant for this year. I needed it. <laughs> And I needed to bring myself some joy when I get home every day with a little uh, WAP reference. Um, yeah, so as much as I love all that, for whatever reason, there's a part of me that says Christmas starts the day after Thanksgiving. And I don't even have a ton of Thanksgiving decorations or anything that need to be replaced. It's just that's how it happens. And part of that is the first Saturday after Thanksgiving, not the Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend, but the first one after that, we do our annual tree hunt and... Up to 20 people have have done it in the past. This year, we're, we're just, we're, we're still figuring it out. We're probably just going to only do the outdoor tree part. But we go up, we go to this brewery, we have a big lunch and drinks. We go to this Pinecrest tree farm. We take a horse-drawn wagon out to a field. We walk around all the trees. We use a saw to cut down our own tree, slap it to the top of the car, go to a winery, have a bunch of wine, go back to my parents' weekend house in Michigan and have a big sleepover and get hammered and, and play games and it's like a tradition. So that means that that weekend is always when we put the tree up and all the decorations. So I think I'm just tied to that, even though this year it would be nice to have two full months of a, of a holiday house. Look, I, everything you're describing, by the way, is Christmas magic. It's delightful. I mean, I, I'm in for all of it. We, we've we always been fake trees, like my entire, <gasps> I know. What? I, well, you know, but see, the thing is, like, you just go to Bath and Body Works, you get you the tree smell candle and then you buy. <laughs> Fraud! You are a fraud. I'm not, you can't be a, you can't be Christmas decorations guy and have a fake tree. Does it does it change your opinion knowing that you know? And this this sounds so first world. So please, like anybody that doesn't know, I came from very little and and I've worked very hard for what I have. Uh -huh. uh, I'm thankful for it. 
but I have three trees in the Connecticut house alone. Like I am that guy. Like I put trees Real in every trees? No, fake trees. I have three fake trees. No, that makes it worse. Wow, wow. Yeah, thank you. Oh, oh my gosh. We're putting this on the poll. We're putting this on the poll at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. Is Fitz a Christmas fraud? For having a fake Christmas tree, and I will probably have to point out, there's no allergies at play here. No, this is no, you no, no. being lazy. Well, this I mean, is you prioritizing unzipping a tree. Does in a it bag does it change the like sits in a closet or a basement over the fresh, delicious, natural smell of pine? Does it change any of that though? That my tree's up for months. I mean, doesn't no, a real tree die? Worse. Not if you take care of it and uh, you refresh its water regularly. Oh uh, yeah, like I can, I'm I can't so keep. I'm so upset by. It. I thought I knew you. I thought I respected you. Everything is out the window. You you will appreciate this story though. For you know, we we got the house in Connecticut last year, and uh, there's a staircase like in the in the middle, like a little foyer thing, and uh, the way it's built. Foyer or foyer? Uh, well, I'm let's not put fa- that on the pole. I'm not fancy enough to have a foyer. Foyer or foyer? You know, uh, but we we got this. Like, <laughs> if it's, it's not big enough. It's a foyer. Yeah, no, it's definitely <laughs> the foyer. It is the more of a foyer. It is. It, it, you know, if it, it, a nicer house foyer. If it's a Golic house foyer, in my yeah, house yeah, foyer. For sure. For uh, sure. But you know, but the the way the stair, it's like a sort of a spiral staircase thing. So there's Sounds room lovely. for a tall tree and. I've never really had that opportunity in my life. And so I got over the summer when it was on sale, I got a very, like, it was like an 11 foot tree. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I I realized a couple of weeks ago when I went to put the tree up that I didn't own a ladder. Like I've been in the house for a year. I haven't needed a ladder for anything. So I had to go buy a ladder just to be able to put the tree up. That was a a defining moment. I'm also supposed to be impressed that you bought an extra tall fake tree. That just means that that tree has more fake things glued on it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I no, it wasn't I'm pre-lit. Not I mean, I lit it myself. Does that? Oh my god! Because I'm it was so cheaper. Disappointed was, in you. It was cheaper. I, I really, I really am. I, listen, have you smelled the bath the body works like pine tree candles? You don't need the smell of a real one. Wow, take that back. <laughs> <laughs> you take it back. I'm so sad. We're gonna we're gonna get responses from people, and I'm sure I'm gonna be disappointed by all the fake trees out there. But listen, man, if you come to our house. They're real and they're spectacular, okay? I want that's, you to remember that, that. If you don't get that made into a Christmas tree, like, like that's a T-shirt right there happening. I just want a small cut for being part of when Listen, you came up with that idea. I don't need to bring more attention to anything. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence oh, story wear test using SAE 5W30. Coming up on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, did the defending champs have the best offer? Off-season in the NBA. We'll get into that next. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. Coming up Wednesday, we're one day closer to Thanksgiving and an NFL triple header. We'll discuss the one game that could decide a division race. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, Wednesday, 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Be there. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. The yard is killing. I mean, you got you got Cousin Eddie uh, with the uh, hose to, you know. Yeah. Bleepers <clears throat> full. full. Mm-hmm. My favorite is you got Todd and Margot in their like almost silvery spacesuits. Uh, two friends showed up to our annual Christmas party last year. Fletch Navidad dressed as that and crushed the game. Uh, so obviously your yard is killing it. All That's all sunny. Yard... That's all sunny. Okay. Yeah. What's the one with the people facing? Are those supposed to be them trying to see if the lights are working in National Lampoons? No, that's Home Alone. Uh, the oh, two robbers and he's up okay. there with the paint can. So, you I know. got it. I like that. Yeah, nice. She did all the movie um, scenes. Yeah. Unfortunately, that tree that you brought bragged about the the, the kind of tallish one it's it tall. has no girth 
And, and it's clear it's fake because there's no girth and it's way too even on every little branch. So that's another thing that's important to me. Your tree has to be, height is important, but we really, people underestimate the importance of girth. And I'm going to put that on a pole too. Length over at, girth, always length at over Spain girth. At Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, uh, what's, what's most important to you when you're buying a tree? Uh, height or girth. Uh, and, and by the way, the evenness of it is that's my OCD of sitting there for hours fluffing every branch to make one? sure. Oh, okay, yeah. You have, oh, yeah. You yeah. Have problems. Uh, it's ESPN Radio, <laughs> the ESPN app. And on your smart speaker, just say play ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Guest join us on the Shell Penzoil performance line. We haven't spent a lot of time lately, Fitz, talking about NBA free agency. It's it's the it's the side product of the uh, uh, sports apocalypse. There have been various moments throughout the last few months where we've just sort of not been able to get to the things that we normally would. And that's this so far. But I think it's kind of settled down a bit. We're certainly having some deals being signed today, extensions more so than trades. We've got the Heat and Adebayo agreeing to a five-year deal. We've got Ingram and the Pelicans on a five-year max extension. Um, But most of the trades have sort of settled down. Um, Before we get to who won, who lost, and all that stuff, let's talk about uh, the the Adebayo extension. Um, It's it's kind of a no-brainer based on how he played, but when you dig a little deeper, there was a reason to question whether this was the right timing, and I don't think it helped the Heat that Mitchell, Tatum, and Fox all signed rookie extensions because he looks around and sees everyone else from his class getting that money and, and wants to force the issue. There was an argument for delaying with the idea that they might still be able to lure Giannis down there. These two guys have the same agent, and you might be able to convince Bam to structure his contract differently if he knew it was to aid in getting an MVP down there. Instead, they go ahead and sign him to that five-year max extension um, um, and and I'm not sure yet what that means for the Heat and their ability to try to get Giannis if Giannis decides not to stick around in Milwaukee. Well, I think part of this has to be you, you keep one side eye, right, on what the Bucks look like. Now, uh, we all believe that, that Brooklyn is set to be the most talented roster in the East. So already the question is, can the Bucks? surpass what Brooklyn has done and then you see the offseason that the Bucks have had and I think the clear answer to that is is no I mean mm-hmm. uh, short of their stars playing better in the playoffs which so far we haven't seen the last couple of years I'm not sure why we would buy into that theory so as much as I want Giannis with Milwaukee because I love the story of it if I'm another team in the NBA I'm looking around thinking well certainly they haven't shown him that they can build a championship team so there will be at least the opportunity to go out and look and this has nothing to do you know I, I I heard Kendrick Perkins earlier today say Bam's earned it. Well, there's no doubt about that, but it's right. not about that that question right here. The question is, did the Heat wanted to keep the door cracked open in case Giannis could be available? I think, frankly, it's a mistake not to right now. If that if you're leveraging everything to try and get yourself in the Giannis conversation, I will not hold that against your franchise if it doesn't right. work out. Like you're going yeah. for the the championship at that point. That flexibility of waiting till next summer would have helped them build, and now it, they struggle to do that. But it's a good heartwarming story at the same time. We remember that back during the bubble, some of those conversations with Bam about how he was surpassing expectations. He would always talk about his mother who raised him as a single mom, working a ton of jobs, living in a trailer, making like $15,000 a year. So you love to see this guy work as hard as he has to get what he got. And you, of course, still think the future is very bright for the Heat. But this does leave you wondering exactly what the future looks like for them in terms of the Giannis sweepstakes. Uh, looking to the West. The Lakers, and another thing that I think Kendrick Perkins said, um, 
was this this team acted like the team that had lost the title, not the team that won it. The moves that they went out and made in free agency have only made them stronger. And if LeBron continues to look like he does, where Father Time is still, you know, waiting to to, to take his toll on him, if Anthony Davis plays like he is, now you you add in Marcus All, you could probably start and then bring Montrez Harrell off the bench. Um, you take Montrez Harrell from the Clippers, one of the teams that's one of your biggest rivals in the West. You add Schroeder, who can create his own shot. And I think in, in uh, something that uh, our, our buddy Lowe, Zach Lowe was talking about was if you're going to sit LeBron and maybe even Davis for games this season because of the quick turnaround and return to play, now you've got a guy in Schroeder who can score and make his create his own shot and a guy in Montrez Harrell who can take over games at times. So you're bringing in guys who can get a ton of minutes and points if you want to sit your stars. Well, and I think for me, I just need to stand up and, and loudly say, hey, I was wrong. When Paul George didn't go to the Lakers and, and instead chose the Clippers and, you know, Kawhi chose the Clippers and everybody was talking about it at the time, I looked at it and thought, well, look, nobody wants to play with LeBron. And, and you know, that seems to be the case. Well, that's not the case anymore, and that's undeniable at this point. For AD, obviously, we're presuming that he's going to work out a massive deal with the Lakers, but the Lakers and LeBron have really put themselves in a situation where they get better. They put themselves in a great uh, opportunity to repeat as champions, and frankly, they're built in a way where even as LeBron declines, which is inevitable that he should, I mean, I would think he will at some point, uh, even if and when he does decline, this roster is still going to be good enough to compete, and it still has a ton of flexibility. So I, I'm a little stunned to look at the way they built it and how they've been able to get everybody there, and why would we think anything other than the Lakers are the clear favorite for the, for the West and, frankly, for the NBA championship? And now LeBron can look at it and say, hey, if we can build for today and the future all at once while I continue to play, how many can I win in a row? I mean, the Lakers are set to be good for several years. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder if we should ask the Pentagon about LeBron. You know how, like, years later, they're like, okay, fine, we admit it. We have a UFO program, and we are aware of aliens. Like, the fact that <laughs> LeBron is never seriously injured and has played as long as he has, looking as good as he does, uh, I'm starting to become suspicious. And in 2020, you couldn't surprise me with anything. Like, if LeBron is, like, full-on cyborg, that would probably make more sense than what we're witnessing from him. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's home, quote, explorer, quote, and buy all online at Progressive.com. Quickly, Gordon Hayward, um, it's very easy and, frankly, deserved to make fun of Michael Jordan for the moves that he makes as a front office person. Um, but I do wonder when you've got not a lot of great players, you have almost two decades without a playoff series win, and you've got other teams offering Gordon Hayward what is alleged to be somewhere around, you know, 105, 108 mil. Is four years 120 million so absurd, or is that what you have to pay to get someone to come to a team that no one really wants to play for? Yeah, that's a really good question because. You know, it, it's otherwise it's hard to figure out the math and, and really for both sides. I mean, we've gotten so used to NBA players walking away from the opportunity to make more if they think they can go somewhere and win a championship. I expected Gordon Hayward to really look at his options and see if there was somewhere where he could go and compete for the highest level right now or, and, and be the big star. And obviously that's not there. Instead, he goes to a spot where now he's going to come into a roster that's OK. Right. I mean, that that's about the best we can say. He's going to go somewhere where he's there okay and he's going to make insane money to do it so good on him for getting paid but just a strange move to me to see that kind of money go to get Gordon Hayward yeah I mean the fact that when he was going to opt out of 34 million remaining for the Celtics we were like whoa why would he do that no one's going to offer him that somewhere else and then we're like oh really 
120 <laughs> million fully guaranteed. Uh, I I want to hope for Michael Jordan and the Hornets' sake that this deal turns out to be a positive one for them, but 30-plus percent of the team's salary cap for a guy that just isn't what he used to, a little bit of a head-scratcher. Coming up, we're going to hear how our resident Bengals fan is doing and talk a little college hoops. It starts tomorrow. It's next. Bain and Fitz. Breaking news on Bengals rookie quarterback Joe Burrow. MRI, according to Adam Schefter, revealed more damage than anticipated, tore his ACL, MCL, and suffered other structural issues in his knee as well. Oh, it's such a shame. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain. Fitz is gone again. Off doing his college football playoff ranking show. But I'm here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on your smart speaker. Just say, play ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the show. Pennzoil Performance Line, friend of the show, former friend of the company, part of the company, Jordan Cornette, now hosting Game Day on ESPN Radio, ESPN College basketball analyst and noted Bengals fan, joins us now on the show. Jordan, how you doing? I'm going to try this a different way this time. Hey, Fran. Hi, Fran. Does that work? Uh, yeah, it's tomorrow. It's it's tomorrow, but you nailed it. I, I know appreciate it's not the day today. I, just I appreciate you bringing a little hot friend <laughs> to a Tuesday night. Um, before we get into the important things, I have I have three questions for you. Do you say foyer or foyer? Foyer, foyer. Foyer. Okay. Is Fitz Blue a Christmas guy. a Christmas fraud for having a fake Christmas tree while purporting himself to be a great Christmas fanatic and decorations master? Wait, who is doing this? Fitz. Did Fitz. This? He has fake trees. Wow. Yeah. Fraud, right? Totally fraudulent. Total fraud. Thank you for agreeing. And finally, (laughs) what's the better shape for a Christmas tree? Tall and skinny or tall and girthy? We have tall and girthy. I actually just went and sawed mine off at the place uh, down the road. Yes. We got tall and girthy. You sawed it down yourself, too. I love it. it. Yeah. Sawed it down myself. We just planted it. We got to let it fall out. And then the ornaments go on in a couple days. Love a tall and girthy tree that you saw down yourself. We're on the same we're on the same page there. Um, I want you to listen something quickly. This is the latest from Stefania Bell on your guy, Joe Burrow. Here's what she said on Get Up. Perhaps. We might have it. When you consider we- that an ACL by itself takes give or take nine months to recover from, Imagine something that is more complex with more repair and an extended recovery, and you start skewing further out towards a year. So you hear there's reports of 9 to 12 months. That's very reasonable, probably toward the longer end, given the complexity. So this is such a bummer because I'm not a Bengals fan in the slightest. I don't really care about Cincinnati. But we talked about this, how excited I was for Cincy fans to have their guy and to get to watch this. What do you think when you hear about the timeline and how are you handling this whole thing? I mean, Sarah, when we had him at the beginning, and I was still on company when he got drafted. And when Joe became a part of the Bengals, there was such an excitement because I'm a college football guy. I was there firsthand to watch what he did in the national championship game. And I knew what kind of player he could be. And he became that pretty early on, obviously a huge ceiling, a long way to go, but there was so much fun involved in watching a losing team. I went out and broke the Jordan rule, bought myself a Jersey of a guy who's younger than me. I don't even believe in that. I was that excited. And it's really tough to see. It's bad for football. It's really bad for Bengals fans. I just think, you know, why even flirt with making it anything but two seasons now at this point, you know, like mm. that's how I, 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 we almost feel like let's protect what we have 
I'm in the camp of being angry that he wasn't properly protected uh, this season. And I know it's football guys get injured. This isn't a, a basketball guy take. Like, no, it's watching and seeing how often he was dropping back and knowing how porous that offensive line was. It felt like we were on a collision course for this. So I'm angry about that. I'd like to err on the side of being really patient with his recovery because he has a future. So Jordan Cornette with us, host of Game Day on ESPN Radio with his lovely wife, Shay, and ESPN College basketball analyst. Did you hear Carson Palmer's take that it was a bit of a silver lining and, and maybe a blessing in disguise in that maybe they'll have some time to, to shore up that offensive line, to make some moves around the team? If they have a bad record, they'll get another high draft pick and be able to get better before he comes back? Or is that just a friendly spin on a terrible situation? Well, if anybody knows how it goes, it's Carson. I mean, right. he broke Bengals fans' hearts when in 2006, Kimo Van Olhoffen uh, had that dirty play and ruined our playoff chances that season with Carson and his ACL. Look, Carson is rarely pro-Cincinnati. I mean, it was an ugly breakup with the franchise, and it's not about backing the franchise here, but I do like that Carson has spun positive here because that is the path I'm choosing to go as well. Can this, can this Cincinnati Bengals team, who's had success in prior drafts, Go build properly around him. And then also, Sarah, the fun part, the legend really grows of Joe Burrow. Like, he becomes the pulse of the city as we're all patient for the world to reopen when the time is proper. Could that also be around the time, potentially, who knows, when Joe Burrow comes back and, like, right. we're all in this thing again and we're watching Joe Burrow and, and packed crowds and we've beaten it all. Like, I like to paint that picture for myself. That is a good attitude to have if you're in a situation like this. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, ESPN Radio, talking to Jordan Cornette. Let's get to college basketball. I'm at a loss to try to figure out how this is going to work. You are inside, no masks or any kind of face covering. You're right up against each other for the entirety of the game. You have small rosters, so if there's any sort of spread, you could take out half the team. And the travel and everything, the number of games that need to be played how how is this going to work? Yeah, there's there's just no model for us there. And me and you again, going back to when we were working together on the radio show, we had trepidation for all these sports to return. And ultimately, we've crowned champions in the NBA and in Major League Baseball and the NHL. And the NHL had a bubble. The NBA, the the also similar small roster size, had the most pure of a bubble we wish the country could have mimicked what Adam Silver was doing there. Football is allowed to take on a little bit more attrition with more people testing positive and still trot teams out there to play. I mean, you're hearing about college rosters in football with guys, 25 guys out, and they're going yeah. and playing uh, still the next game. You're not going to have, dare I say, for lack of a better word, that luxury, as we're talking about human bodies here, um, the opportunity to do something like that. Once it hits one, uh, contact tracing riddles the team, and they're out for two weeks. The only way you can look at this in a promising manner is the idea that these college kids that are non-athletes are leaving these campuses for the holidays, not necessarily set to return, so there's a little bit less of a risk, still a, a very possible way for these guys to contract um, COVID, but it lessens that margin uh, a, a good deal with them being on campuses by themselves. I'm going to read the beginning of a story from the defector.com so that I don't mess up the details, but uh, Patrick Redford kind of summed it up. 
Duke men's basketball was supposed to start its season in the Bahamas this week. Yeah. That tournament was canceled, although every team besides Duke agreed to attend a makeup tournament held in South Dakota, which has one of the highest coronavirus testing positivity rates in the world. As the tournament <laughs> approached and case numbers exploded across the nation, Texas A&M and Creighton dropped out of the men's tournament this week following the departures of Utah, Ohio State, and Dayton. Wichita State stepped up to fill the void only for multiple players to test positive upon their arrival Monday night. It's happening all over. We talked last night. The UConn women's team is out missing first four games at least due to a positive test coaches for arizona and louisville women's teams are on twitter asking people to get in touch to schedule some games right baylor's not headed to connecticut to open the season against arizona state because their coach is positive what when is this do you think it's actually going to start with just however many games are okay to play well i mean let's talk logic out the door to be honest sarah it's 375 and that's the number everybody needs to be keenly aware of as we forge through here, 375. That's how many millions of dollars were lost. Oh. $375 million mm. to the NCAA because there was no March Madness last year. And there is no shot in hell that they can lose 375 again this upcoming season. It'll be cataclysmic to the sport. Uh, you will see programs being buried that will never return. And another way that I'm, I mean, you're really testing me in this, in this segment, Sarah, for my positivity. But again, I'm if so I dig sorry. deep and I try to find the silver lining in this one, as I try to dig deep again, I think, you know, yes, these college athletes to a degree are being used. That's very clear. But if you look at it from the college athletes' perspective, they too, and it shouldn't make you feel good at night and go to sleep without thinking about it. But if you ask them, they would want to push forward with the sport to preserve the sport. And understanding the risk that they are incurring, that is something they are knowingly doing. And if the athletes would be told that there may not be college basketball on the other side because we did not survive financially in these two years, I think they would forge forward as well. So that's another way to that look is, at this, too. That is one way to look at it for sure. Uh, thank you for trying to find the positive, Jordan. And thank you for agreeing about a, a tall and girthy tree. Have a good one. I mean, thanks, Sarah. I'm going to go cry in a corner. <laughs> Jordan Cornett, you can hear him on game day on ESPN Radio. Of course, watch him as a college basketball analyst. Coming up, a Super Bowl champion joins us to talk about his new podcast and new foundation. It's coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Welcome back to Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on your smart speaker. Just say play ESPN Radio. You can always be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation by hitting us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Many of you have things to say about the poll question asking about whether your trees should be uh, tall and skinny or tall and girthy. Uh, At J.E. Reese hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed and said, really, it's not the height or girth, but how you decorate it. Thank you for that. Uh, At Jan Surratt said, I like them thick. And at Josh Sharon said voluptuous, uh, which wasn't an option, but we'll take it. I also appreciate a voluptuous Christmas tree. Uh, Continue to message us at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. And don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast, uh, where we sometimes have uh, stuff that you can only hear on the podcast, pre-show after show parties um and and of course if you miss any of the show you can always uh you can always hear it there as well uh we're hoping to get our jermon bushrod on the show but in the meantime his uh his former team in the saints feeling pretty good after watching what happened last night with the bucks and uh, the issues with tom brady the deep ball and everything else going on um and 
you know, this is a team in the Bucks that early on in the season, we talked about how continuity was going to be the biggest issue because um, uh, because they had a new coach, or not a new coach, but a new coach-quarterback combination, um, and because of the different pieces. And, and they recently added another piece in Antonio Brown. I don't know if we spent much time talking about whether that throws them off at all, uh, but certainly uh, something to consider. And, and you know, then over the course of the first couple of weeks, things start to come together for them. They start to elevate themselves to the point where we've got them in a tier at the top. All the advanced statistics talk about their DVOA and how their heads and tails above other teams. And then um, they kind of come crashing down with a couple pretty ugly losses, one to a Bears team that was in the midst of their slide and had that win propping them up a little bit. And then, of course, the beatdown from the Saints and then last night to the Rams. Um, and it leaves you with a lot of questions about exactly who this Bucks team is. When you look at the best teams in the NFL, what's most notable to me is the ones where you're trying to figure out what to do to beat them. And in the case of the Bucks, it's not that difficult to figure out. You pressure the quarterback, right? And this offense is pretty unimaginative and, and pretty stuck in a rut. And as much as we call Bruce Arians the quarterback whisperer, um, what we saw last night against the Rams didn't leave me feeling super confident going forward if teams can figure out how to get to Brady. Now, of course, that's easier said than done. The teams that we've seen give them the most trouble. You look at that Bears team, not a great team because the offense is terrible, but a really strong defense and a team that can pressure you with four, doesn't have to blitz to get to the quarterback. They were all over Brady at the time. I believe it was the most pressures he'd gotten in a game since like 2017. So using that model, you still have to have the personnel to do it. So it's easy to say um, that you've figured out the Bucks. That doesn't mean every team will be able to do it, but the ones that can make that team look so pedestrian. And the Rams are one of them. On the side of the Rams, what's fascinating is um, you, you see these certain moments uh, of, of analysis in, in a game, and, and, uh, and you see the Rams' offensive line coming back and being much stronger, and that's a big part of their success. We've got – I'll get back to that and what I saw from the Rams because Jermon Bushrod is here, former Saints player, former Bear, a Super Bowl champ, and uh, he's got a new podcast. Sorry about our phone situation. I know you're supposed to call in. The phones didn't work all of a sudden, so 2020 strikes again. <laughs> um, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Uh, we'll get to your former teams, but um, – you know, you're on in part because uh, something happened to you that changed your life and, and made you want to look outside the, just the game of football and start a podcast um, shining a light on something else. Can you tell us about that? Sarah, how you doing, first off? but um, Well, other you know, than the phones, great. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Uh, well, you know, for those who don't know me, um, you know, my 12th season in the NFL, I ended up playing 12 years, and during my last year I went back to New Orleans and – uh, I lost my daughter. Uh, I lost my daughter, uh, my wife and I, after a week. She was on this earth for a week. She was born with a chromosome disorder called Wolf-Hershorn. And, uh, you know, the, the city of New Orleans, the, the team, the, you know, the Saints, they really helped us out um, when it comes to, you know, when it came to our grieving process and, uh, you know, kind of really figuring out what's going to be my next phase in life and how I'm going to be able to expand on my foundation that we have, Visualize and Rise. This uh, <clears throat> this podcast, which is going to be called Simple Saints, is an opportunity for us to tell stories uh, from individuals who have uh, some uplifting things to tell. And it also gives us a way to, you know, get the podcast out there. So we're, not the podcast, but the foundation. So we're able to uh, lend a helping hand. So that's pretty much how we got here. Yeah, I love uh, Robin Roberts always says, turn your mess into your message. And yeah. that sounds like what you're doing. You're taking this moment. It was a very dark time for you. 
and and your wife and, and a tremendous loss, but finding a way to tell stories of people doing extraordinary things and, and to support your foundation um, in honor of, of the syndrome that took your daughter. Uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there. Give me a, give me a sell on why people would want to tune in to the, to the German Bushrod version of, of the medium. Well, you know, it, it, just like you said, there's, there's a lot of podcasts. I mean, I think there's, a, there's hundreds, probably thousands a week trying to go out, but you know, for us, we want this to be like your home of inspiration and motivation for you to do something that, uh, that's kind of about, you know, that's, that's not your norm. You know, we want ordinary people to do extraordinary things, uh, fight to make a difference around, uh, you know, your environment. And, and I think that Simple Saints will be something, will be a podcast, will be a page that you're able to, to lean on for, you know, that Monday morning positivity, or if you're just having a down week, something that you can listen to, something that you can kind of relate to, because, you know, as you go through life and you live life long enough, you're going to have negative things come your way, and it's all about how you respond. And I think in life, you know, you need to have some great individuals, some great people around you who help pick you up. But I also think there's, you know, you can get uh, persuasion and motivation from other things as well. And I feel like Simple Saints is that kind of avenue for individuals to go out here. And if you need to pick me up at the end of the week or, or if you just want to hear a story about somebody giving back because – that's pretty much how we got here. You know, Simple Saints is an, is, is an opportunity for me to take my foundation to a bigger level because, you know, to your listeners and to you, you know, kids who are born with Wolf-Hershorn syndrome is, you know, it's a deletion of, the, of your fourth arm of your chromosome, of your fourth chromosome. And, you know, these kids, uh, from a lot of stories and, and, and things that I've read up on different families, they deal with a lot. You know, they deal with a lot. It's going to be a constant grind a constant battle um and my wife and i don't get that opportunity even though we were gearing up for that opportunity we don't get that opportunity to try to raise this special child in a special way of uh of living so this is just our way to continue to have another branch of us uh giving back and, and, and helping out yeah and i think in 2020 especially there's any number of things that people have have struggled through and have had to deal with that's been outside the norm. And so having something to check in with to feel inspired and positive is is fantastic and, and very much needed. Jermon Bushrod, former Saint Bear, uh, Super Bowl champ uh, on his uh, new podcast here on Spain and Fitz. Let's get to some of those former teams, all your former teams really in the news right now between the Dolphins, the Saints and the Bears. Um, let's start, I guess, at the top. What did you make of Taysom Hill getting the nod over uh, Jameis Winston, and and how how much of a loss is Drew Brees over the rest of the, the rest of the regular season or the next few games at least? Uh, the loss of Drew is is big to the city of New Orleans, to that region, but more importantly, that team, the type of leadership that he brings is, um, you know, it, it's hard to get that on a football roster and. They, you know, they won't have it. But the good thing is, you know, you do have a guy in Taysom Hill who has shown that he can be explosive. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball. And he got he got his opportunity. You know, Jameis has been a starter in this league for a very long time, you know, and his role was to come in to be the backup. And, you know, they did pay Taysom, Taysom uh, pretty handsomely this offseason. So I mm-hmm. believe you have to give that guy an opportunity to start. And uh, he lit it up. You know, he, he lit it up and, and he was able to find his receivers and, you know, his running ability. I mean, you know, he can do pretty much anything on the field. So that's impressive within itself. But this guy just, just shows up. And the great thing is 
He has a, he has a hell of a leader to sit back and, and learn under, and then now he gets his opportunity to go shine. Jermon, how tough is it for a team when a quarterback gets benched, even if there's a promise of a return? I'm talking, of course, about the Dolphins to a tongue of Aloha. Uh, we hear it's not about an injury. It was just Ryan Fitzpatrick might give him a shot, especially in a game where, where Tua was not handling pressure well. The rest of the team looks at that. Is that is that tough for you to go back and forth between uh, between quarterbacks? Well, you know, and when you get into when you get into the week and you have the opportunity to get some reps with the backup guy, uh, you really have to understand the type of player that you're getting. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a little different than Tua. Tua's young. Fitzpatrick has seen any and everything um, about this league. And when when it comes to the move, uh, I don't disagree with it because they, their offense was kind of sputtering a little bit and they weren't being able to have the success that they had uh, in, in, in the weeks prior with Tua in there. But obviously, if you go back and look at that game, Tua had way more help when it comes from the defense and the special teams side. So he had to really kind of lead this team offensively, and he came up a little short. But, mm. you know, um, the thing about Tua, even going back to his Alabama days, he has a great head on his shoulders. And, you know, he's not going to sit here and let uh, an instance like this get the best of him, sit back, take it for what it is, let Ryan Fitzpatrick go in there and do his thing. And he had an opportunity until, you know, the interception, you know, in, in the back of the end zone in the fourth quarter. But it was uh, it was a great effort by Ryan. And, um, you know, Tua going forward, I love this kid's attitude. I mean, you, you, you see him on the sideline. You see what he's, he's going to bring to this game. You know, the guys are going to continue to rally around him. It just wasn't a great day for the Dolphins. It's Spain and Fitz talking to Jermon Bushrod, who has a new podcast out. Uh, well, it's not out yet, but it will be soon. Simple Saints. It's going to launch on Giving mm-hmm. Tuesday. Um, really quickly, the Bears. Uh, you were with the Bears for three years. I remember it fondly. Uh, and and when you watch the team now, how tough is it to see that once again it's that great defense and an offense that can't keep up? It's frustrating. You know, it's frustrating, especially how they started. I believe they started out like five and one, and mm-hmm. Nick Foles kind of gave him Nick Foles gave him the juice. You know, when um when when he got, when he had the opportunity to step in versus the Falcons, and then it just kind of seems like it's just been slowly wearing off. You know, Chicago the offense they can't find their rhythm offensively. I mean, especially when it comes to the run game, it's pretty much been non-existent, mm-hmm. and they just put a lot of pressure on the defense, man. And that's and that's tough. And that's kind of I kind of feel like that's kind of been. The Bears and Mo the last few years, even kind of dating back to my years. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, you know, so they've always been kind of stout on defense. And, you know, you just need the offense to pull them along a little bit more just to kind of manage the game and get the ball down the field. But they're not doing that at all. And it's kind of, it's a little frustrating. <laughs> Agreed over here for sure. Uh, Jermont, thanks so much <laughs> for the time. And uh, good luck with the new podcast. We'll have to have you back once you're uh, up and rolling. Please do. Thanks for having me. Jermont Bushrod, Super Bowl champ. Make sure to look out for his new podcast and his foundation, giving us the straight talk. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Coming up, we'll pay off the polls. Skinny or girthy? You guys answered. It's next. Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on your smart speaker, just say, play ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, no actual Fitz, uh, because 
once again, he has left me. And I, this has become a recurring theme on the show. Um, sometimes he ditches me and cheats on me with his radio mistress, Cheney, uh, and fills in on, on Cheney and Golick Jr. By the way, tomorrow, Fitz and I will be in that time slot, so you can hear us 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern. And then Friday will be the early slot, the uh, 9 a.m., or I guess it's 10 a.m. to, to 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so uh, try to follow the bouncing ball, I guess, for, for this Thanksgiving week schedule. Uh, but Fitz leaves me a lot. On Mondays, he has his Monday Night Football digital show. On Tuesdays now, he's eating Cheez-Its with Golick Jr. talking college football. So I think we need to pay him back in the only way that I know, which is by scaring the ever-living you-know-what out of him. And I'm going to need your help for this, dear listener. What I need you to do is over the course of the next few minutes, just send Fitz a bunch of weird tweets saying a variety of things that will make him think that I have violated some sort of trust between us and told or revealed some secret on the air that you are absolutely shocked that I said. So I'm going to say uh, a good tweet might be, wow, I can't believe at Sarah Spain told that story about you on the air, Fitz. Uh, you're a real jerk. Or holy cow, I can't believe you still have a job after that, Fitz. Amazed your wife forgave you. Wow, I can't imagine what the next show is going to be like after Sarah said that story. I'm giving you a number of options, but be creative. You know, do your own thing on this. I just want Fitz to return from cheating on me with Golik Jr. to his menchies and to have no idea what's going on. I just want him to briefly fear for his job, his marriage, his future, you know, the usual co-host things. I just want him to have a terrible terrible night because he keeps leaving me i can't believe what sarah said i emoji i emoji totally I emoji. any any number feel free to throw in some eggplants keep them guessing you just whatever you got to do guys i'm trusting you and i'm looking forward to reading uh the mentions of one at jason fitz uh speaking of mentions uh we gave you guys a couple of polls also this is a great one lolo jones uh the famous olympian uh both summer and winter olympian Saw the tweet I posted about the uh, doormat that says there's some hose in this house and just said, and my outdoor decorations are complete. Uh, I think I should get a commission off that Etsy because the number of people that told me they are now purchasing the same doormat is uh, the number is just skyrocketing. I, I, sh I should get a sales cut on that. Um, but we asked you a number of polls all related to our, our Christmas decorations and, and the timing and such. Uh, number one is Jason Fitz, purported Christmas fanatic and decorations master, a total Christmas fraud for having a fake Christmas tree. And dear listener, you have let me down. 58.7% of you said not a fraud. A number of you offering up the worst excuses, things like I don't want to clean up the pine needles or there's sap or I can just get one tree and keep it forever or the worst of them all. Someone who said it's the same fake tree every year. So you have those memories year after year. That is the lamest thing I've ever heard. Come on, man. You guys need to get it together. Shout out to those of you who put in the time and the work and the effort to have the real tree with the beautiful pine smell. Douglas fir, by the way, the best tree for hanging ornaments. Remember that. Uh, shout out to you guys and everybody else. You're all frauds right along with Fitz, which follows up by uh, the question, do you say foyer or foyer? And 69% of you, nice, said foyer. 30% said foyer. Many of you said it depends on the audience and also the home. If it is a big fancy home, it's a foyer. If your audience is either French or fancy, then it's foyer. Otherwise, uh, you go you go with foyer. Uh, and, and I agree. I actually alternate same way I alternate vase and vase. Totally dependent on the context and situation. Uh, this one was a runaway. 
the better shape for a Christmas tree. Is it tall and skinny or tall and girthy? And uh, a brilliant 89% of you are wise enough to know tall and girthy. Uh, at KM Woodkey said, LMAO, what are you doing to me? Uh, she was one of many that thought perhaps we weren't talking about trees. We were talking about trees. Uh, if you missed that segment, you can listen to it on the Spain and Fitz podcast. Uh, and again, uh, you can't just have a tall, skinny tree. You need you need the girth. It needs to have the right shape to it. And you need to be able to put enough ornaments on it. Uh, you need it to be thick is all I'm saying. Uh, those are the polls. Thank you so much for chiming in. Uh, also joining in on the Spain and Fitz Nation uh, by hitting us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed was at Jason underscore Honeycutt, who said this is going to go off the rails. And you know what, Jason, you're right, because dimensions are coming fast and furious. Uh, phrasing yet again. My bad, and the things that are that are being sent to me are uh, funny. So if you uh, if you want to uh, uh, take a look into those menchies, uh, go ahead. And uh, at Sarah Spain is where you can find uh, everything you ever wanted to know about thick and voluptuous Christmas trees. And this is what happens when Jason leaves me for too long. I was going to talk about the uh, college football playoff rankings, but I really just blew it off phrasing again. I'm so sorry. And I wanted to talk about girthy Christmas trees. This is why I, first of all, should be on a different platform that is not under the Disney umbrella and also why I should not be left alone for so long. My apologies to all involved. But a reminder, because Fitz has put me in this precarious situation, uh, head on over to at Jason Fitz, get in the menchies, Remember, shock and awe. I can't believe she told that story about you. Wow, what a betrayal of trust. Do you think you'll be married by the end of the night? Do you think you'll still be employed? Any number of those things would be great. Do me a solid, okay? Coming up, Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Ian Fitzsimmons and Courtney Cronin, I think, filling in tonight. That's next. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.